Welcome to the More Than a Physique podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Jansen, online fitness coach, content creator, and competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter. In this podcast, we help you discover your inner athlete. Each episode will enhance your life as we provide you insights on all things health, fitness, and personal development. Now let's bring out your inner athlete. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the More Than a Physique podcast, where we discuss ways to ignite all areas of your life surrounding health, fitness, and becoming mentally elite. I'm your host, Kristen Jansen, Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist at The Natty Hour, and thank you everyone so much for tuning in to this week's episode. We are on episode 62, and today I actually want to take some time to talk about five training myths. The reason why I want to go over this today is just because because knowing what to do when it comes to your fitness journey can be extremely overwhelming at times. Regardless if you have been doing this for a while or if you're just starting out, it can be tough to know what information out there is accurate and which is a load of crap. By going over these training myths, I hope that it will help you make better decisions to optimize your results versus spinning your wheels because of false information that is often spread around in the fitness industry. It's important to understand that just because someone looks good and claims to be a coach on social media, it in no way validates the information that they are sharing. Posting whatever the latest fad is on social media doesn't make it true, even though we often believe that it does. Often we are fooled by some of these BS fat loss products or extreme fat loss fads because someone who looks amazing posted about it. Believe me, if there was an actual fat loss coffee that made you drop 10 pounds in a week, I'd be all over that too. But the sad reality of the fitness industry is an influencer creates a problem that often doesn't exist, then they sell you a solution to the problem, and then they get a commission due to your purchase. We are all constantly being sold products based off of our vulnerabilities and insecurities, which makes us often forget that just because someone looks shredded doesn't mean it gives that product or method credibility. Always remember this, quick fixes do nothing but yield short-term results. So let's go over some of these myths. The five training myths we are going to discuss today are one, lighter weight and higher reps make you toned. Two, you can spot reduce fat. Three, I have to do hours of cardio to lose weight. Four, I need to be sore after my workout. And five, waist trainers flatten your tummy. Remembering that all of these statements are myths. Now, I'm not afraid to admit that I too fell for these myths. What do you mean I can't spot reduce fat? What's the point of doing all these crunches if you aren't burning belly fat? Wait, I don't need to do hours of cardio to lose weight? Yeah, right. And what's the point of a workout if I'm not crawling out of the gym in pain? Some of these myths debunked was a little bit shocking for me to hear at first too. But once I was able to take a step back and see things more objectively and stop being so emotionally attached to the myths, my relationship with my fitness journey completely changed. There's nothing better than having zero attachments to the principles of strength training. Today, I understand that squatting is great for bone mineral density and for strengthening my knees. But if research tomorrow suggests that squats are the worst exercise in the world to do, I will stop doing them. Evidence doesn't show this at all, by the way, but you get my point, I think. So until then, please continue squatting. That's just an example. Being objective and making evidence-based decisions can really help you stay focused with what you need to do and drown out the noise of the nonsense with some of these myths. 
let's dive a little bit deeper and break down these myths one by one. Myth number one, lighter weight and higher reps make you toned. It's often believed that higher reps burn more fat so you can create a toned look. But the fact of the matter is if you haven't built muscle, losing weight won't create a toned look. In addition, losing fat occurs from being in a calorie deficit, not by the number of reps performed during an exercise. There's a lot of confusing information out there when it comes to the optimal intensity that you should try to achieve in the weight room. I'm sure you've heard before, only lift low reps because that's where strength gains are made. Anything under 10 reps isn't doing anything. If you want to be toned or lose weight, you should only be doing high reps. Well, it's not so black and white. It obviously depends on your goals. So out of convenience here, for an example, let's assume we are bodybuilders. Even if you don't compete or anything like that, you still want to change your physique. Technically, you're a bodybuilder and we're wanting to lose weight or cut down for a show, whatever the situation may be. I know some people are thinking, okay, well, in order to do that, we need to focus on only high reps because that's how you tone and get lean. Not necessarily here. Let's break down each rep scheme. Low reps. These are reps from one to five reps. These aren't just for power lifters like many people think. A lot of bodybuilders don't think you should utilize low reps because they believe that only high reps activate the slow twitch fibers. This isn't necessarily true. If you are lifting a heavy load, your muscles will recruit the slow fibers. As a result, lifting in a low rep range will help yield strength gains, which will result in an increase in hypertrophy, meaning muscle growth. The next rep range is medium reps. These range from 6 to 12 reps. This rep range actually has been shown to consistently cause the most overall hypertrophy. The last set of rep ranges are high reps, and this is anything over 12 reps. High repetitions cause glycogen depletion during the workout, which aids in muscle cellular stretching, which leads to cellular growth. While high reps have their place, that doesn't mean you want to completely eliminate low and medium reps from your program. So I honestly recommend using a combination of low, medium, and high reps. Using a combination of a different of the different rep schemes yields different responses and positive training adaptations for optimal muscle growth, cellular stretching, and strength gains, regardless of what your goals are. Moving on to myth number two, you can spot reduced fat. What exercises can I do to burn belly fat? This is probably one of the most common questions I receive. And the answer is there aren't really any. This myth is so common due to the influx of infomercials and influencers promising flat abs for very little work. And as amazing as it would be, unfortunately doing thousands of crunches each day isn't going to allow you to burn belly fat. There was actually a study done at the University of Massachusetts where there was about 10-ish males who did ab exercises for over 20 days. And then fat biopsies were taken before and after the exercises. The results showed that the subjects decreased fat from all different areas of the body. Not one person had fat that was lost in the same area and it wasn't just from the midsection. So as I previously mentioned, driving a calorie deficit is how we lose fat. Where that fat loss originates is 100% outside of our control. What often happens is wherever you store excess fat the most or your more stubborn places, this is typically the last place you will lose it. So for women, for example, that's often our hips, thighs, and lower belly. For men, it's typically their belly and their waist. So focus on sticking with your fat loss program. You may need to get a little bit leaner to really shed down those last few pounds to 
get rid of those more stubborn areas if that is your primary goal. Myth number three, I have to do hours of cardio to lose weight. Okay, so hopefully this is starting to become ingrained in your head. The only way to lose weight is, say it with me, is by driving a calorie deficit. So how do we actually do that? You can drive your calorie deficit by simply eating less food or exercising more or a combination of both. So this is not to say that cardio doesn't help with fat loss because it does drive a calorie deficit, but it's not the only way like so many people tend to believe. Quite often when I work with a new athlete, we actually don't even add cardio to their program right away. And the reason for that is because we have been so wired to believe that we have to be a slave to the treadmill or we're going to blow up like a balloon. So I always receive some confusion and pushback in the beginning. And while some of my athletes are looking to lose weight, I like to break that unhealthy need of having to do hours of cardio a day. It's an amazing thing when my athletes can see results in the first few weeks without having to do a minute of cardio. And it helps break that mentality for them to realize that, hey, I can do cardio if I want to. I don't need to. It allows them to see that it's one one of many tools that we can utilize for optimizing our results, not the only tool. Moving on to myth number four, I need to be sore after my workout. So many mistake muscle soreness as an indicator of progress in the gym. This actually is an invalid indicator of progress. Yes, you know what? If you are starting a new program or you're new to the gym and you've never done some of these movement patterns before, it's totally normal to feel sore for the first few weeks. Your body's still getting used to some of these new movements that it's never done before. So soreness in the beginning is is completely normal. But as you continue to advance and improve, your body starts to adapt to these movement patterns where soreness becomes almost non-existent at this point. Now, some may still experience regular soreness and this simply comes down to genetics. Some recover quicker than others, but reduced soreness over time is actually a good thing. And it actually allows us to realize that you are on an optimal training program. So how do you know you're working hard enough in the gym? What should you be chasing? And the answer to this is progressive overload. This is the process of gradually increasing the stress placed upon the musculoskeletal and nervous system. In simpler terms, it's the process of doing more over time. So you should be asking questions such as, are you lifting more over time? Are you getting stronger? Are you doing more sets? Are you doing more reps? This is why it could be useful for you to make sure that you are keeping track of your workouts so you can actually answer these questions objectively and that's how you know if you're able to answer yes to these questions that you're making gains. So make sure in order to do this that you're taking an appropriate amount of time of rest in between sets so that way you can actually ensure that you are lifting heavier from week to week. If you aren't feeling sore and you're lifting more over time, that's a good thing. That's what you want to strive towards. So keep doing what you're doing and chasing strength over soreness. And the last myth we are going to go over today, waist training flatten your tummy. This myth has been popularized by lots of celebrities and now lots of fitness influencers. It's unfortunate and I hate to break it to you but no, waist trainers they do not flatten your tummy. If you lose any weight while wearing waist trainers it's likely you're losing water weight from sweating. Remembering that just because the scale goes down it doesn't always mean that that is due to fat loss. The scale measures multiple things including water and that's 
likely what you are experiencing. So remember that once you drink some water again because you need to, you need to rehydrate the scale, it will come back up. Now, you might be thinking, well, what's the harm? Even if it doesn't flatten my tummy, it can't hurt, right? Uh, wrong. <laughs> Unfortunately, they actually can cause dehydration and acid reflux, and that's just due to the pressure that's placed upon your abdomen. The pressure often pushes your stomach acid into areas where it shouldn't be. As well, they can actually decrease your core strength and cause muscle loss to your abdominals. Yes, I said decrease core strength. You know, it's often portrayed that that they help act as a reminder to keep your core tight, but in actuality, you don't need to keep your muscles tight and instead it causes your muscles to relax because the belt is doing the work for you of holding everything in. So once you take the belt off, you don't automatically have that muscle memory of keeping things tight. Your core gets weaker because it's starting to rely upon the belt where as soon as you take it off, you're a lot weaker because it's no longer there holding everything in place. As well too, waist trainers can damage and shift things around inside of your body. Not really something that we want to do. Things that move around quite often are things like your diaphragm, your liver, colon, and intestines. These are just a few of many reasons why the idea of a waist trainer should be a big no-no. At the end of the day, we are trying to live an active and healthy lifestyle. And I would argue that bunching your organs together to try and get a tiny waist is anything but healthy. So I hope that by breaking down some of these myths, it will help encourage you to just question things a little bit more. Don't be afraid to ask more questions versus just believing what you hear or read on social media. Heck, I encourage you to question the things I say. Not that I'm trying to sell you guys anything. I mean, this is an advertisement-free podcast after all, but please take a step back and question things more. Be okay with that. Be okay with taking a step back and trying to understand things better for yourself. Like I mentioned earlier, it will help you tune out some of the nonsense because it's not going anywhere. There's always going to be new myths to debunk. There's always going to be someone trying to sell you something or sell you on a mythical belief. So don't be afraid to take a step back and question things more for yourself. Alright team, that about wraps up this week's episode. I really do hope that this was helpful and you guys were able to learn something today. If so, as always, please do me a huge favor to make sure that you share this podcast. I love when you guys share it with me on Instagram. And as well too, if you haven't already, please be sure to leave the podcast a review. You can head over to iTunes and leave the podcast a review there. It does help the podcast and show your support and I really appreciate it. Alright, thank you again so much for listening. I look forward to chatting with you all again next week, but until then, go out there, strive for more, be more, and ignite your inner athlete.